0: Okay, it's really good to see all of you here today, and I think it's a really important topic. So I pray that uh, we will, together, uh, listen to what God is saying. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, help us to reflect on your word and do not just have a surface understanding, but to let it sink deeply in our hearts so that today and every day we will know what it means to be living in Jesus as we see Uh, people dying around us. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now one of the hardest things, uh, I think for me as a pastor, is to go to funerals. And what is really hard is to go to funerals of people who have died really unexpectedly. And I still remember some of those funerals like it was yesterday. Uh, The one of the girl who died uh, while she was still in polytechnic. Uh, The one of the father who died suddenly of a heart attack. Another of uh, a colleague who I said goodbye to on Friday and by Monday she was dead. And I think the reason why it's very hard to go to these funerals is because people are unprepared for death. Uh, I think generally as a society, as people around us, we find it very hard to talk about death. I remember when I was younger and we were at a family dinner and we were talking about my grandmother. Uh, I started talking about when my grandmother was going to die and my mother uh, asked me to shh, you know, keep quiet, don't talk about all these things you know, how can you bring it, all these things up especially when my grandmother was sitting at, at the table with me now the thing is we, we don't like talking about death and death is often something which we hide away right? death is not something which confronts us uh, you know, it's not very easy to walk into the ICU of a hospital and, and uh, all the crematoriums and uh, funeral parlours, if you notice, are all hidden away somewhere in some corner. So the problem is that we are unwilling to confront the prospect of death and it's like an uninvited guest in our life. But all of us, unfortunately, have to face up to death even though it's an uninvited guest in our life. We can't hide it in a corner and we can't shush it and ask it to keep quiet. So I think the question that we have to ask ourselves today as we look at this passage is, are we ready for death? Are we ready to meet death? Are we ready to meet our own death? Now as we look at this passage today, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we see that the Bible has no problem uh, talking about death. It doesn't shush us about death, it doesn't avoid the issue of death, it doesn't hide the problem of death in a corner. And as we look at 1 Thessalonians 4, I think the background is very important, because as we've been seeing, if you look up here on this slide, Paul had gone through Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea, and in each of these cities, he had faced great persecution. So as a result, we know that when he preached the gospel, he didn't spend as much time in these cities as he liked, because as he was persecuted, he was forced to leave these cities very, very sharply and very quickly. So as a result, I think that he didn't actually have time to solidify. Okay, So he didn't have the chance to solidify and to ground the people into the deep truths of the Bible. They may have understood it, they may have heard it, but he didn't have time to to really press it home because he had to leave so quickly. It's a bit like, you know, uh, maybe some of you haven't got this experience, but this is a very common experience for me because I cram a lot for exams, right? So on the night before, I'm always cramming information in my head. But if you ask me one week later, I forgot everything already, right? So I think it's a bit like that. They, they, they heard the gospel, they heard about Jesus, Paul had preached to them. But soon after they left, they started to forget what he was teaching them. So today, in verse 13 of chapter 4, we see that this lack of grounding in terms of the understanding of the gospel Uh, was sort of affecting their understanding of death. So in verse 13, it says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant about those who sleep or fall asleep in death, so that you grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Now here, as we look at this passage, uh, two problems were very, very apparent among the Thessalonian Christians, and this is what Paul was stressing to them about. The first problem was a head problem, an intellectual problem, where they were ignorant or uninformed about what happened to people after they died. This is probably because they had relatives or friends or church members who had died, and they were a bit unsettled and shaken because they weren't sure or they were ignorant of what would happen to them. The second problem was the problem of the heart. It was an emotional problem. Because they couldn't quite understand what happened to people after they died, they were grieving. Now, grieving is a very normal process when people die. Right? I mean, I've been to many funerals. My, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, my mother, my grandfather have all died in the last 10-15 years. So I've been to many funerals and, and people grieve. I've grieved. But what it says here is that they were grieving in a very unchristian way. They were grieving like people who had no hope. right? They were people, they were grieving as if death had the final word. It was game over, there was no tomorrow after death. Now I've been to many funerals, and those two problems are often there. The head problem and the heart problem. The ignorance problem and the grieving problem. Because people do not know what happens after death. People grieve because they fear that they will never see the person again. Now, I remember my father-in-law lying in a hospital bed in Saramban. And he had that problem. Because as he was dying, he was diagnosed with cancer, and it's incurable cancer. And he felt that death was final. And this is what he said, right? People said that I'm... Becoming in tune with the congregation. See, so I, I write Chinese now. <laughs> okay. So anyway, uh, I have the translation software here. But anyway, I can say it anyway, la. Okay, it says, <laughs> Tian Xiao San yan Wow, see, oh. no, wow, yeah, see. see I, I, I practiced a long time for that, no? Uh, but basically what it means is that all good things come to an end, right? It basically means that uh, every earthly banquet comes to an end. And I remember him sitting in the hospital bed in Saramban and he was very, very emotional because he felt that death was final and he would never see us again. He was very, very upset. He was was very, very grieved by it all. But in verse 14, Paul says that he didn't want the Christians in Thessalonica to grieve that way or to be ignorant about people who died. In verse 14 it says, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. Now I think I have that up here. And I think this verse is very, very important because it actually tells us that in Jesus Christ we do not live anymore in ignorance of death or that we are uninformed about death, and neither do we grieve in the same way. And we do not grieve in the same way, and we're not ignorant about what happens after death, because we have someone who has died and gone through death and have risen from the dead. And that person, Jesus Christ, tells us what happens after death, and he tells us that there is life after death, there is hope beyond death. And it doesn't come about because, you know, Jesus was some religious thinker or some philosophical speculation or some random deep thinking that Jesus had. You know, that Jesus went off to the desert and he spent five years there thinking about death and then he came up with these conclusions. No, we know that we are not ignorant about death and we do not grieve because we believe, it says there, that Jesus died and that he rose again. And we know this to be a fact because, as we've been reading, the resurrection of Jesus was grounded in history. It was embedded into time and was evidenced to us because eyewitnesses saw the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why the Thessalonian Christians and Paul had such great confidence to know what happens after death and were not supposed to grieve. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is up here, right? this is the gospel that Paul preached. And this is the gospel that Paul would have preached to the Thessalonian Christians as well. So he tells the Corinthian uh, brothers, he says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. You see, what is the gospel that Paul preached to the Thessalonians? What was of first importance? That Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And this was witnessed by not just one person, not just two people, not just three people, or ten people, or twenty people, but but hundreds of people. So therefore, the resurrection of Jesus is not a legend, it's not a fable, it's not a fairy tale or a myth, but it's a historical fact. And that's why we believe that there is hope beyond death. See, I remember how uh, a few years ago, I met a young person uh, who said that actually Jesus was like, Harry Potter, All right? Now, if you go to uh, uh, the, 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 the bookshop, you, you'll notice that Harry Potter is in the uh, fiction section of the, 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 the bookshop, but the Bible is under the religious and historical section. See, Jesus is not Harry Potter. He's not the, the figment of someone's imagination. He is someone in reality who did things and finally died but rose again. And this is the gospel by which the Thessalonian Christians have been taught. So, early on in chapter 1, verse 4 to verse 10 of the book of Thessalonians. Next slide. Okay. Uh, it, it was very clear that Paul, when he had taught the Thessalonian Christians and when they had come to faith, they were taught that Jesus had been raised from the dead. And because they were taught that then they had the assurance that they no longer feared death. They no longer feared death. Now, I think that this is something that today, as Christians, we need to hold on to. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Because the resurrection of Jesus from the dead teaches us so much about our own death and what happens to us after we die. You see, one of the things that I like watching on TV is like a crime, crime, uh, crime stations. So I I also watch like, you know, next slide, the History Channel, or uh, next slide, or Fox Crime, right? My my wife doesn't like me watching all these crime things, but it's all very interesting, I find. So, you know, you watch a a lot of, uh, of TV shows about crime, and you sometimes watch documentaries about crime. And you realize that, uh, you know, you have all these big criminal organizations around the world, like, you know, the mafia, the drug syndicates and things like that. And one of the most common tactics of the police or the FBI or whatever is they, they always try to catch somebody on a lesser charge and then they want to then turn the person into a witness. And by turning the person into a witness, they, they seek to bring down the whole cartel. And it's really amazing because a lot of these shows show about how you know this person goes to witness protection, then they testify in court, and then all the big the big shots all get taken down, right? And that's the power of one eyewitness. That's the power of the eyewitness testimony of just one person, right? But here in the Bible, we see that the resurrection of Jesus doesn't depend on the testimony of one eyewitness, not just the 12 apostles, but many people, hundreds of people, 500 of the brothers who witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think that's why when Paul looks here 1 Thessalonians, he says that our faith, our Christian faith depends very much on the certainty of Jesus' resurrection. Because with the resurrection of Jesus, we know that death has been defeated. And that's why if you look back to the previous verse, in verse 13, you notice that Paul doesn't describe death the way that we describe death. So look back to verse 13. It says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant or uninformed about those who have fallen asleep. Right? Fallen asleep or sleep in death. Now, whenever you think of sleep, right, you always think of something, something which is temporary. Something which you're going to wake up from. You know, so if you have a look at this slide, okay, uh, I mean, we almost as if think of sleep in the way that the Bible describes it, almost in a casual way, right? Almost like Garfield sleeping there, right? Where death is not something that is to be feared, something which you will never wake up from, but death is actually described as just a, a short nap. Something where you sleep with the expectation of getting up. Now, if you look at the rest of verse 14, it actually tells us that this knowledge about what happens after death, this ability not to grieve like the rest of man, the ability to to see death as just sleeping, only comes about because of our deep relationship in Jesus Christ. See, let's look at verse 14 again very closely, right? For we believe that Jesus died and He rose again. And so, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. So the only people who have the power to overcome death, it says there very clearly, are those who have fallen asleep in Jesus Christ. Falling asleep in Jesus Christ is the idea of being united in Jesus Christ at death. You see, it's such a radical thing, isn't it? Because uh, people buy insurance to you know, avoid the reality of death, or maybe you think medicine can save you from death, or people have lots of plastic surgery to avoid the reality of death. But the only way that you will ever avoid death, you will ever really solve the problem of death, is to die in Jesus Christ. And that makes sense, isn't it? Because if Jesus died and rose again, if Jesus has the power of to solve the problem of death, if he's defeated death, then it's only when we are incorporated and united in Jesus Christ that we too are able to die and rise again in Jesus Christ. You you understand what I'm saying here? You see, if Jesus dies and rises again, then it's only when you're united in Jesus that you, you gain the power that he has to die and to rise again too. And that's why verse 14 says it so succinctly, right? So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Jesus, in Him. See, outside of Jesus, there is no solution to the problem of death. You see, if you're not united with Jesus from the moment of your death, then there is no unity when Jesus finally brings everybody to resurrection life again. And that's why it's so important, I think, that today we witness the baptism of of Griffin, of Yu Yong, of Sean and Crystal, to see that actually they need to keep believing in Jesus, not just for the next year, but until they die. Some people have this mistaken idea that, okay, once I'm baptized, I'm saved for life. Once I've said the sinner's prayer, I'm good with God. right? But that's not what it says here. What it says is that when they fall asleep, you must fall asleep in Jesus Christ. You must believe and have faith in Jesus all the way from today to the time that you die. And then, when Jesus comes again, you will be united with Jesus and you overcome death once and for all. Now verse 15 to 18 uh, flesh out what is going to happen when we are united with Jesus Christ, when God brings with us Jesus. Okay, so verse 15 to 18 sort of paints the picture of what exactly happens when Jesus comes again to bring us with Him. According to the Lord's Word, we tell you, that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead will rise first. Christ the dead in Christ will rise first. After that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Now, here it says that Paul wants to really stress to them that this picture that he's painting is not something which he imagined himself or he's speculating. But in verse 16, he says, The Lord himself, right? Sorry, verse 16, 15 says, the Lord's word has promised that this is going to happen according to the Lord's word. And what is going to happen, it says, the Lord Jesus himself will come down from heaven. And when he comes down, he will make a loud command. And this loud command is a bit like a a military commander, you know, commanding with authority and expecting obedience and when he shouts out his command, he expects that the dead will obey and rise to life. And this voice is not the voice of a human, right? It's a voice of a supernatural quality. It's the voice of God. It's like the voice of an angel, the archangel. And this voice will be a voice of triumph and majesty. It's like a trumpet call, loud, but bringing triumph. And when Jesus speaks in this way with a command, with a supernatural voice, with a loud trumpet call, the dead will rise from the dead. Now, Jesus before we saw in his life had great power in his voice. The voice of Jesus Christ had the ability to call the dead to life. In John chapter 11, if you see up here on this slide, Jesus, uh, when he uh, called Lazarus this is what happened right so Jesus asked for the stone to be taken away from the tomb of Lazarus and Martha said but Lord the sister of the dead man said by this time there is a bad order for he's been there four days then Jesus said did I not tell you if you believe that you will see the glory of God so they took the stone away and then Jesus looked up and said father I thank you that you have heard me I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that you may believe that you sent me. Then he said, when he had said this, he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So on that day, Jesus called and Lazarus came to life. But on the last day when Jesus returns from heaven, when he calls again, all the dead who are, as you read there very clearly, dead in Christ, it says there in verse 16, will rise to be with him. But the, the, those who are living, it says there, will not be left out, right? Because those who are living will also be caught up. It's the idea of being pulled by this irresistible force. They'll be caught up together with the dead, to meet Jesus in the clouds. But the main point of all this is seen at the end of verse 17, right? And so we will be with the Lord forever. And that word forever is a very, very important word, the word forever. Because, you see, earlier on in verse 13 and 14, it just says that God will will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. But what does that mean? Does that mean that when Jesus comes, we will rise from the dead only to die again? cannot be, right? It cannot be that Jesus calls them to to life and then they die again. It says there very clearly, verse 17, and so we will be with the Lord forever. It means that we fall asleep, we wake up, and death is overcome and we will never die again. For eternity, we will never fear death. There is no fear in death. There is no confusion in death. There is no grieving. Because we just sleep for a while, then we rise with Jesus, never to die again. See, when I was looking for the books on baptism, right, I came across this book, uh, but I didn't buy it. But it was quite interesting that the title, if you see it up here, is called Forever. Okay, and then the, the little subtitle is oh, next one, before that. Why you can't live without it? Right? Why, why you can't live without eternity? Why you can't live without forever? And this um, author, if, if, when I read the back of the book, the next slide, said that many people, uh, Christians as well as non-Christians, has this thing called eternity amnesia. You know, amnesia is where you can't remember something, right? And he says that <clears throat> Uh, for many people, we forget eternity. We live as if there's no eternity. We, 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 you know, we've got this forgetfulness about the idea of forever. But as Christians, we are told that we live forever. That death is just a short sleep. And then you arise forever to be with Jesus, united in Him for eternity. And what he said was, He said that when you forget forever, when you forget eternity, then you only live for the now. But that's a mistake, right? Because people who live for the now fear death because they think that there is only a little short time that we live and then you die. But how different for the Christian, right? How different for those who believe that Jesus died and rose again because we will be with Jesus forever and that means it changes the way we live in this world it changes the way in which our priorities and our values are and it changes especially the way that we we see death the way that we view death the way that we our hearts approach death and that's why verse 18 is what we're meant to do with this information right therefore Encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another so that people will continue to live in Jesus Christ. So that we will not be ignorant of what happens when you fall asleep in Jesus. So that you will not have the heart problem and grieve as if you will never see your Christian parents or your Christian relatives or your Christian friends again because you will see them because Jesus died and rose again you see i think one of the problems that uh, sometimes is faced when we look at, at passages uh, regarding the return of jesus which technically is the word parousia is that sometimes you know among christians we argue about oh you know is there going to be a premillennialism a postmillennialism or a amillennialism but actually instead of arguing among ourselves about these things, verse 18 tells us that we are to be encouraged by the return of Jesus. The return of Jesus is actually what holds us and keeps us strong in our faith to the very end. Because if we know that Jesus is going to come, and we are going to be with Jesus forever and ever, then nothing can be strong enough to tear us away from Jesus Christ. We will want to be strong in our faith to the moment that we die. You see, for these Thessalonian Christians, it wasn't as if they had low IQ. Therefore, they couldn't understand what happened after uh, people died. It wasn't as if Paul hadn't taught them the gospel. The problem was that life and living was causing them to doubt and be disturbed and unsettled in what they understood was going to happen after death, and their hearts. See, I wonder whether we feel the same way as Christians. Whether the implications of the gospel of Jesus dying and rising again for us, whether it really has sunk into our heads. Because if we know that Jesus Christ died and He rose again, and we have faith in Him, then we shouldn't be afraid of death death should not hold fear for us and we shouldn't grieve in the same way as people who have no hope it's only when the gospel hasn't sunk into our heads and our hearts that we fear death the way other people fear see in conclusion um, actually some people in church give me books right so some people in church you know who you are give me these two books right and um, both those books are very similar and both those books are really, really popular, right? They're both, uh, if you can see, they're both New York Times uh, bestsellers. I think num- one of them is number one. Uh, this one on the left. Uh, oh, both of them were number one New York Times bestsellers, right? Okay? Which sort of tells you that people are interested to find out what happens after you die. So both these books, um, uh, one of them is a, was an uh, atheist neurosurgeon, and another one of, of, the, of this boy had uh, what you call... Uh, near-death experiences. So, um, what happens is, both of them nearly died for quite a long, long time and they dreamt or they experienced going to, to heaven or seeing heaven or something like that, right? And uh, that's why the title of the book is uh, Heaven is for Real and Proof of Heaven. La. Now, it was quite interesting actually, I sort of, you know, sort of flicked through these books. But then actually as a, as a Christian, uh, I don't need to, to, to read um, about both the experiences, right? Because I already know heaven is real. I, I mean, I, I don't need additional proof of heaven because I already know that that Jesus died and rose again and he tells me what happens after death. But I think that the, the main problem I have when I read these books is both those books uh, tell you that heaven is real, but it doesn't deal with with the most important question. How do you get into heaven? Yeah, okay, I mean, yeah, you had this near-death experience, you see all these heavenly things, but, but how do you actually get into heaven? It doesn't deal with that question. It just shows you that heaven is real. Um, it's quite unusual because when I was doing research for today's sermon, I actually did this search right? and I found this other guy and he also had a near-death experience but he, 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 met, he saw himself going to hell. Right? So, <laughs> hell is real, right? So, how do you actually get to heaven? Well, the Bible tells us today that there is heaven and it is real, and that there is heaven after death, there is hope beyond death. But the only way, right, the only way to secure that for yourself is to be in Jesus, is to be asleep in Jesus. Only those who have fallen asleep in Jesus, will rise together with him when he comes again. So my challenge to you is for those of you who do not believe in Jesus, if you are not in Jesus, then there is great fear for death because you don't have the power to overcome death. But Jesus offers you the power to overcome death. You have to be in him to overcome death. But for the rest of us, I think it's so important for us to keep persevering in faith till Jesus comes. If there are things in your life which are causing you to stumble or to grow weak in your faith, then, then look forward and see what happens in eternity. Don't have eternity amnesia, right? But to remember that, that there is an eternity for you and that you cannot afford to lose Jesus. I shared earlier about my father-in-law and how when he was lying in the hospital in Saramban, how sad and and grieving he was. But I was really uh, overjoyed because uh, he accepted Jesus before he died. And and I remember that before he died, uh, he died uh, as a man in peace. Uh, He was at peace with death. He didn't fear death anymore. And I think that's very important, isn't it? Because, you know, when people die, they usually say, rest in peace. But I believe that the Bible tells us that you can only rest in peace if you're already at peace before you die. And you are only at peace before you die because you are in Jesus. Uh, In Jesus, truly, you have peace with God, and you're at peace with what is going to happen with you after you die. So my hope is that for each and every one of us here, truly that we are in Christ right now and that we will be in Christ when we fall asleep so that when Jesus comes again, God will unite us with Jesus forever. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today. Help us to see that the death and the resurrection of Jesus is so important and that the implications of the resurrection of Jesus teach us that we are not to be ignorant about death or to grieve like those who have no hope, but instead help us to see that because we are in Jesus, we will rise with Jesus when He comes again, that we are to be given full confidence, that we will be able to overcome death, that death is nothing like falling asleep, uh, like having a nap, Uh, that we will wake up again and that we will wake up to new life in eternity with Jesus. And we pray for us today that if there are some of us here who are not asleep in Jesus, help them to see what a great danger that they are in, that they are unprepared for death, and to help them to turn to Jesus. We pray also, Father, for the rest of us that we will persevere in Jesus to the day that we die, so that truly we will be filled with confidence to know that we will be together once again in heaven for eternity with your Son, Jesus. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.